The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. I'm sure you've heard the old saying that the best things in life are free. Well, the things that this world offers are not really free. In fact, many times we spend our time and our money and our efforts toward things that we think we really want, that we esteem to be very valuable in this world. But when we receive them, it turns out we're not satisfied. But in this sermon, Elder Buddy Abernathy reminds us that the blessings that we find in the kingdom of God really are free, and they satisfy completely. Due to the length of this sermon, which I wanted to post in its entirety, we will not have a song today, but join us as we consider these blessings that are in the kingdom of God that will satisfy us and that we can purchase without money and without cost. I want to read tonight from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I'm going to borrow an old adage as a title for this sermon. The best things in life are free. That's a biblical concept and I've just read it to you. The best thing in life is free. Now obviously he's talking here about spiritual blessings. And he's contrasting it with the things of this world that we may choose to pursue, not necessarily the things that our physical money can buy, 
But since this is a spiritual application, it could be applied to many other things. You know, the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. Pursuing those things would also fall under the heading of spending our money on things which satisfieth not, rather than simply restricting this to the material things that we might purchase. So keep that in mind. When he speaks of money here, he's giving a uh, comparison or a contrast, rather, to the spiritual blessings we can purchase versus the worldly things that we can purchase. So that's the idea here. Now he's speaking to people that are thirsty spiritually. I know I don't need to spend time establishing in your minds that the only people that are thirsty spiritually are the people that are alive spiritually. Uh, this morning we referenced uh, when the Lord spoke to Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. And we emphasize that, that the only way that could come to pass is the same way in which we are born of the Spirit, and that's by hearing the voice of the Son of God. You know, it didn't matter what man might have said, Lazarus, come forth. The Lord didn't use instrumentality in that work of giving life to Lazarus. And in like manner, he doesn't use instrumentality in giving spiritual life to his elect. And of course, life precedes action. If you don't have natural life, you're not thirsty, you're not hungry in the natural realm. So he's identifying people that are born again who are thirsty. You remember Jesus said, uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a good thing to be thirsty. That means you're alive. It's a good thing to have an appetite for spiritual things. Now notice he says, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And I thought about this, and I looked up some statistics on it. You know, water is the, if you could only have one thing to sustain your natural life, your choice needs to be water. You know, uh, you can live quite a long time without food, but without water, you won't live very long. If you could only have one thing, that would be the most important. And you know, uh, 60% of your body is water. Listen to this. 79% of your heart is water. 75% of your brain is water. That seems strange, doesn't it? But you know, most any food, if you dehydrate it, it's such a much smaller portion of what it was if it's dehydrated. So I thought, here's a good spiritual point. If your natural brain is made up of 75% water, and that water is referred to here as that which sustains life, 
Isn't it interesting how important it is that you have spiritual water? I know we can go too far with spiritual application, but your mind needs spiritual water. And I believe there are many of God's children walking around and their mind is missing that which, which needs to be there to make up the majority of it. Just think how your life would be if you had no spiritual interest or if you were living in rebellion against the Lord and you had lost that fellowship and communion and peace. That, that's a, a very significant portion of your mind, isn't it, as a child of God? I don't know about you, but... To some degree, it might be very little at some times, but to some degree, I'm thinking about spiritual things all the time. Now, it might just be, well, I'm not living right today, but I'm sure that's the case with you. Think how much that occupies your mind, regardless of what you might be doing. So we need spiritual water for our mind, for our heart, our spiritual heart, everything about us. He says, If you're thirsty, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now wine, as you'll see if you read the book of Proverbs, is a representative of wisdom. And milk can be representative of the choicest blessings. You remember the Lord uh, told the children of Israel they would inherit a land flowing with milk and honey. That means an abundance of God's blessings. So here in a spiritual sense, the Lord is saying, come to the spiritual waters and I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you the choicest blessings. Now where are those waters at? Well, His Word is the primary source, but His Word is of greatest, shall we say, His Word is revealed the most in His kingdom here on the earth. Amen. When we come together, this when the Lord blesses a man to preach, and I've you as I have experienced many times the blessings of God's divine presence in the man in the pulpit, and that water flows from God's Word through him. Amen. See, the Lord does use the minister as an instrument to deliver his Word and as an instrument to bless you who are born again. That's what he's saying. Come where the waters are. And how thankful we ought to be that we can say, the waters are here. And this is where we want to be. Come ye to the waters. And he says, without money, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now as I read this, I thought about this idea that we can come without money and without price. And yet everything that you might pursue in the world, he talks in verse 2, wherefore, that just means, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? In other words, 
Why are you focusing on and pursuing things that won't feed your soul? Why are you doing that? And you know, a lot of people spend a lot of money, physical money, that, you know, what is monetary. They, they spend that on things which satisfy not, and they spend a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching football. But I just thought about this. People will pay a fortune for 50-yard line seats close to the field. You can come to church and get here late and sit on the front row free. See, it's a matter of what we desire, the waters that satisfy us. I remember when me and Abel went to the only Alabama game we've been to, and we shared a Dr. Pepper. It was $5. And you know, that's the normal course of a lot of people. You know, to go to a football game, it's an all-day thing. And then contrast to, you know, well, I see a few snowflakes. We can't go to church today. And then you watch the stadiums that some of those northern teams and people are sitting on uh, in bleachers covered with snow because they're faithful fans. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with enjoying some things of this world that are not ungodly. But isn't that just a good way to picture it? How we can... We can See how much money it takes for those things that satisfy not. You know, I've never spent a lot of money going to a game, but have you ever thought of it this way? Let's say somebody buy, if Alabama's in the national championship, I don't know what those tickets cost. But then if they lose, they're crying. You know, you just can't count on it, can you? I can't imagine, and, and I'd be sad too. You know, you want your team to win, but spend all of that time and money and taking off work just to be sad when it's over. You know, it's a gamble as to whether or not you're going to be happy. Well, see, it's not that way here. Come to the waters. You don't need money. There's no price on it. You can have wine and milk. And then he says, why are you spending money for that which satisfieth not? For that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hark diligently unto me. That means you need to really pay attention and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Isn't it true that the happiest you've ever been is when you felt close to the Lord? Amen. I wish I felt that way more often, and it's not the Lord's fault. He said, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. But just think of the times you've been really happy and content in the Lord. Can't you say, there's nothing any better than this. This, this is the greatest thing in this world. There's a hymn that's not in our book that I remember was in the good old songs. And it's, it's talking about youth and the things that we may pursue when we're young. And then it talks about how that uh, the hymn writer saying, as I get older, 
I want to live in such a way that my, my beauty, my rest, is a sweet peace of mind. You know, one day you won't have the health you do now. You won't be attractive like you are now. You know, but you can always have uh, as your beauty and your rest a sweet peace of mind. Nobody can take that from you because that's from the Lord. Now, with that in mind, notice that word at the end of verse 2. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Now that word soul refers to a living being. It's talking about who you are as a person. The, the, the individuality and the realness of you. The core of who you are. You're a living soul. Now with that in mind, look at Matthew chapter 16. And keep the thought in mind, what are you spending your money on? Whether it's your physical money for material things or just some other worldly pursuit. What, what, are you, what are you focusing on? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke adds the word, he says, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Now watch this. This is going to apply to everybody here tonight. Especially those of you that are, you know, are in the early stage, of, the earlier stages of life. You have more time ahead of you than you do behind you. See, I got more time behind me than I do ahead of me. So you can judge which category you're in. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Now here's what that means. That means if you say, well, I, there's things I want to accomplish. And that's most important to me. Now I want to I remain a Christian and I want to get more serious about the Lord later. But right now I've got these things that I want to do. You know what you're doing? You're trying to save your life. This is not talking about eternal salvation. You're trying to save your life. In other words, I've got things I want to do with it. Jesus says when you do that, you'll end up losing it. But if you lose your life for His sake, that is, if you say, no, I'm not going to follow my dreams, I'm going to follow the Lord. And I know this isn't a popular idea, but the Bible actually says that the older women are to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. I didn't come up with that. Now, I realize that we don't need to be legalistic about that and say if you're a woman and you get married, you can't ever work again. I'm not saying that. 
But Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, 14, let the younger woman marry, bear children, and guide the house. That, you'd have to have help to misunderstand that, wouldn't you? The order's important. Marry, bear children, guide the house. But it's also simple. It's not, it's not a simple job, but the job description is simple, isn't it? Marry, bear children, guide the house. Now, Let's say a young woman has a baby and she says, well, you know, I got this degree and I could be so successful in this career. I've just, I've just, I just have to, my life's going to, I'm going to miss out on something if I don't do this now. You know what you're doing? Saving your life. All of us have this issue in our life. Myself. Now, you know, I have an engineering degree. When I first uh, graduated, I interviewed in Huntsville. You know, that's, there's some big engineering jobs up there. And the, the last company I interviewed, the interviewer told me, well, he said, I don't believe it's a matter whether we want you. It's just a matter whether you want the job. I never heard from him again. See, that's not where I needed to be. I had been liberated to preach, but I was not ordained, and I needed to remain under the, uh, the I needed to remain under the influence of my pastor for that period of time until I was ordained. And I'll tell you this: I do not regret always trying to give myself wholly to these things. I do not regret it. You know, I could have tried to save my life doing a lot of other things. But here's another example, those of you that aren't married. If you say, well, I just got to get married. And here's a young man that, you know, he's, he's successful. He makes good money. He's well known. He has all these positive qualities. You know, I can probably get him interested in the Lord. You know what you're doing? saving your life instead of saying lord i'm ready to get married but i'm gonna just leave it with you Amen. if you'll do that if you'll say i'm going to pursue the lord what does he say he that loses his life shall find it <laughs> now here's just one more in some way humorous illustration that i'll give i tried my best to find a primitive baptist wife I did. I dated preacher's daughters. I dated deacon's daughters. See, I was, I was, I was going to fix it. Guess what? Tina wasn't raised Primitive Baptist. Never been to a Primitive Baptist church. And based on her personality in comparison to the personality and the maturity level of all those with a good pedigree... There's no question the Lord gave me the wife I needed. Amen. See, I was going about trying to save my life. Man, I'm a, I'm a primitive Baptist preacher. i got to get me a primitive Baptist wife. So, so even in a good way, you can get ahead of the Lord, so to speak, can't you? So keep that in mind. Verse 26, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? There are people in Hollywood... 
There are people in professional sports and even in walks of life where they don't have a lot of money that have lost their soul. Their brain is missing that 75% of spiritual water. And the sad thing, many times they don't know why they're not happy. You know, if you and I went the way of the world, we would at least know why we're not happy, wouldn't we? But see, they, you can really, instead of looking down upon them, oftentimes you can say, well, they don't even realize what's missing. They don't know what to do. Jesus says, How, what good is it? What, what benefit do you get if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now that's sort of peculiar language. In other words, what are you willing, what are you willing to give in order to get your soul back? And again, this is not speaking of Eternal salvation in any way. It's saying, okay, your mind is missing that essence of the Spirit and fellowship, Lord. What are you willing to give up to get that back? You know what you need to give up? Whatever it was that took the place of it. Whatever you prioritized over it. Whatever it is that you did to try to save your life. If you'll change course you'll get your soul back. Isn't it interesting that with all the sins in David's life, he got his soul back, didn't he? I mean, look at, yes, he mourned over his sins and the consequences weren't removed. If a man murders someone and is sentenced to life in prison, that consequence will not be removed if he becomes a Christian. But if, if, he, if he turns to the Lord and finds that inner peace, he's getting his soul back, isn't he? Amen. And like Brother Chris has said many times, and Brother Chris Taylor in Florida said the same thing, the majority of people in prison are children of God that were either on drugs or in a rage or needed money or whatever, and they did something they shouldn't have done. They've lost their soul. And no doubt a lot of them in prison never get it back. But there's a few that do. Now, look at verse 3 here in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. You remember Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Almost the same terminology. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Again, this is speaking of your soul in a practical sense. And the word everlasting here doesn't necessarily mean an eternal covenant. Sometimes that uh, word everlasting can mean permanent. As long as you continue it, it won't end. The Lord won't be unfaithful. And, you know, with Israel, He made an everlasting covenant in that sense. long as you obey me and honor me, I will never abandon the covenant. We, we think of it normally in an eternal sense, and it's used that way. But here, notice this is conditional. Uh, Come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. 
So I want you to notice that phrase, come to me and your soul shall live. So look at, with that in consideration, look at Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. One of the other accounts adds something to what Peter said. Lord, we have left all and have followed thee. What shall we have therefore? You know, that's Peter's personality, isn't it? Now, we can't be too judgmental. We, we just have a, a small portion of his life. But, you know, I, don't, I just don't see myself going up to the Lord and said, Lord, I've forsaken all to follow you. Now, what am I going to get? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think I'd do that. But that was Peter's personality oftentimes, wasn't it? Lord, we've, fors- we've left all and have followed you. That's a good question, isn't it? You want your soul to live, don't you? Or you want your soul to continue living if you're seeking the Lord like you ought now. But you say, well, this area of my life's not coming together like I thought it would. Well, notice what the Lord can provide in place of what you are missing. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Now what is this talking about? Leave all your relatives and I'll give you a hundredfold more relatives. That needs some explanation, doesn't it? Now, first of all, he's not telling us, abandon your family. The idea here is, prioritize the Lord no matter what. He's not saying to husbands, uh, if your wife is not a Christian, leave her. You know, Peter addressed that. Peter said, if, if you're living with an unbeliever and they're, they're pleased to, to dwell with you, then don't leave them. Now, if they're not pleased to dwell with you, If you're a believer and they're an unbeliever and they leave, you're not under bondage in that situation. So he's not commanding us to leave or abandon anybody. He's not even commanding us to leave our lands, that is our material possessions. But he's saying, are you willing to abandon whatever you need to for the sake of following me? That's the idea there. So look at verse 30. Let's say your family says, well, you keep going to that church, we're not going to have anything to do with you. Now, the, 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 the decision is easy. It's easy to know what the right decision is, isn't it? Not easy to do, but it's easy to know the right decision. See, that's just one of many examples You know, there was a time when Brother Chris thought he was going to have to leave his land 
and go to Arab. Now, the Lord straightened him out and let him know that wasn't what he wanted him to do. But listen, he was willing to do that. You need to be willing to leave whatever you need to leave behind. And we're not talking about just sin, see. It wasn't a sin for him to own land. <laughs> but it would be a sin to say, well, I'm not going where the Lord wants me to go because I like it here. That would be wrong. And the Lord would let you know that's not the right decision. A minister will lose his soul. If the Lord is telling his soul, I want you to pastor this church, and you say, no, that won't work out right now. You're going to, in the sense of what we're talking about, you're going to lose some of your soul. Now look at verse 30. If you're willing to leave whoever and whatever you need to leave, you'll receive an hundredfold now. That is a hundred times more of what you had in this time. And notice what you're going to receive. Houses, I mean, that's, that's better than land, isn't it? Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. What's that talking about? That's something that you will only really see visibly manifest among those of old Baptist faith. And here, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. When I tell other people that I go preach at churches and stay with families I've never met, they, they can't understand that. How can you do that? When we have a visiting preacher, we get a hotel room for it. Well, see, we're just meeting some more of our mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers that we haven't met before. I'm telling you, there is, there is a fellowship in the truth that you will not find anywhere else. And I'll, to whatever degree you sacrifice truth, in direct proportion, you're going to lose that intimate fellowship of those of like precious faith. You know, I have primitive Baptist family all over the United States. And I know if I was where they were, even if I didn't need a place to stay, they would probably get mad if they found out I was there and stayed at a hotel. See, that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, what you're losing is nothing compared to what you're gaining. Now, I know this is just a little thing, but 90% of my Facebook friends are primitive Baptists. The majority of my Facebook friends are people I've never met, but they're primitive Baptists. See, you, if you, you're not going to lose out on anything. I mean, it is such a blessing to say, I'm going to put the Lord first. And I'm going to do things His way. I'm going to quit trying to save my life. I'm going to lose my life and my pursuits for His sake. And He'll give you a hundredfold more. You know, as I look back on my experience being a member of seven different churches, there's some, some things I don't want to look back on. But you know what my biggest struggle is at this point? No, because I've been affiliated with seven different churches. Wherever I'm at, I'm missing some of my family that I developed a close relationship with at those other churches. I can't solve it, see? Well, I'm, I want to go back and pastor this church because I miss them. Well, then I'm going to miss people at all the other churches. You don't feel that way if it's not your family. 
You don't feel, you wouldn't say that, well, I've worked for seven different companies and I'm working for this one, but oh, I miss people at all those other companies. You may have friends you miss, but it's not the same, is it? You're not longing to see them and be with them. So what you need is this spiritual water. And I think it's not exaggerating the thought to say that your mind needs to be made up of a lot of spiritual water. You know, when a flower doesn't have water, it wilts. And I believe when, you're, when your mind is void of spiritual water, it will wilt. And the reason I believe that is I've tried that many times. Have you ever tried that? Not put the Lord first, pursue your own interest, and your mind, your spiritual vitality begins to wilt. So let us be faithful to the Lord and continue to be faithful to attend here and, and be an encouragement to each other. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.